Hello and welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I am your host, Connor Bean, and I'm so excited to welcome you back for another brand new episode. Today, joined by an amazing Irish musician called Odu, who recently started watching the housewife shows, but she has gone down the rabbit hole. She is now thinking and talking and obsessing about these shows the way us hardcore longtime fans have. So I'm very excited for you to hear this conversation. We got into our love of Potomac, her thoughts on early seasons of uh, New York. We talked quite a bit about Beverly Hills. We got into conversations about how marriage and friendship come up in these shows, which actually she made me think about those things in a new way, which is always exciting to consider Housewives from a new angle. So let's get right into it. I think you're going to love this one. Here is Odu on Housewives and Me. My guest today is an Irish music superstar. She's also a musical director and a composer. She's written music for the TV show Nova Jones. And she's got some very exciting stage projects in the works. And she's released singles like Saturday and Men Like Me. And she has fallen down the Royal Housewives rabbit hole, which I'm very excited to hear about. Odu, you are very welcome to Housewives and Me. Thank you for having me. I also like the fact that you use the word superstar. I will be putting that into my bio. Exactly. Yeah, please. Yeah, critics of Calder, Irish music superstar. Yes, exactly. That's I'm going with it. I'm going with it. And if you want to mention being a Real Housewives fan in your bios, why not? I mean, it might stand out. I think it might stand out, to be honest. It's it's definitely the du jour thing now, for sure. Absolutely. Let's get into it. How did you get into all things Real Housewives? So there are kind of a couple of reasons. So much like the rest of the world, I did get into it during the pandemic, um, specifically starting with Beverly Hills, as everyone else did. It seems to be the starter franchise for most people. But I've always been aware of the Housewives kind of like, sort of culture for like a long time before that um mostly just because of other people's social media so like yes. you know I've been following you on social media for a long time now you know and I'd see Erica Jane references and, <laughs> and, and that sounds like me all right yeah. <laughs> and you know I'd, I'd see um you know like people like Ari Madison the third posting Nene leaks uh mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. ones like you know it's getting weird um yeah so you know I was always aware of that on the periphery and it was always something I kind of you know wanted to be a part of but just never got around to because it just seemed like so much fun and then I finally just did get around to it and yes like I said I started with Beverly Hills um which was a good introduction point but I fell absolutely head over heels for Potomac in the past year and it is now just my completely my favorite franchise of them all I haven't seen all of them obviously but for me Potomac is the one that stole my heart and continues to steal my heart to this day that's interesting well let's get into that then you're a fan of Potomac I presume then you've watched all of it or you've watched a good chunk of it I have watched all of it um mm-hmm. I, w- I binged it um all like last sort of late last year and you know it got to the stage where I had binged it up until the point where it was about halfway through the current series. And then I had to watch Ah. the last half of it on a weekly basis. And it killed me. (laughs) Absolutely killed me. But it was so... 2021 was quite a hard year for me, which I think it was for a lot of people. Weirdly harder than 2020 for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And I swear just that show just got me out of such a funk that were times when it was just so comforting. And yeah, just when I got to the end of season six, I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life anymore. These ladies <laughs> have saved me. And I just, I'm counting the days until season seven gets announced. So they're definitely filming season seven that much, you know, Phew. I just don't know when when we'll get it. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm so curious then, what it is, what is it about Potomac that you are so drawn to? I mean, I know what it is for myself as a viewer, mm. but I'm curious what it is for you. So, so there's a few reasons why Potomac really kind of captures my heart so much. I think like primarily what I what I love about it and and it's I would say this is the same for all the franchises the the housewives kind of oeuvre sort of represents this sort of almost kind of fantasy world where all of your friends live quite close by and visit you very regularly and you them (laughs) and I think for, for me that taps into something maybe you can relate as an Irish person as you get older more and more people kind of emigrate Um, and you just, you know, you might be in contact with people regularly, but you don't have those very often those, uh, to use a word, maybe uh, that I'll sound really lame using Kiki with, you know, you don't have that opportunity (laughs) to, to do that, I suppose, as you get older and as people kind of move away and start their lives and do different things. And I suppose with, um, all the franchises, but Potomac in particular, particularly because 
you know, it's probably not gone unnoticed by you that even though it's Potomac, quote unquote, they're sort of dotted all around kind of Maryland and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And, you know, I love the idea that you would travel what is essentially the distance from Dublin to Galway for a nude illusion dinner party. Like, I just think that (laughs) is so wonderful. The idea that people would go that far. People would go eight months pregnant to something like that, you know, and I just I, I think that that's that's one of the reasons I love it so much is this um you know this this constant connection that people have and also the fact that you can have this extensive group of friends who might say or do awful things to each other and still remain friends you know there might be um you know a little bit of um a little bit of kind of like you know cold shouldering for a while but eventually people do come back together and that's something that i think i'm quite drawn to as well um so that that's something i see a lot in potomac in particular as well particularly because a lot of the cast members you know they, the cast members haven't changed much they've had new cast members but they've kept a lot of core ones and i think you feel that sense of history between them as well that they can say awful things to each other but they just seem to come back together regardless and i'll never forget like you know generally you probably notice like you know, when it comes reunion time, it's really important for all of the kind of the season's dramas to come to an end and everybody to resolve everything so they can start fresh. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget Karen Huger in the season six reunion, you know, saying to uh, saying to Candace, look, I'm going to need you both to move on. You're holding up the group here. Like, I just loved that line so much. And I just thought that could be applied to anything <laughs> that, you know, we can try and sort of like, except that, yes, this was bad, but we can sort of work through it and move on. And I just love that about it. Um, And also in addition to that, I love how meta Potomac is, like the fact that the producers are so heavily involved in it as well. They're practically part of the cast. I I, I love that about it. Um, I think it just adds such an interesting, fresh dimension to that particular franchise and has so much... Uh, potential for comedy as well and and just extra drama so I'm just so many aspects of it really just tickle tickle me as a as a viewer um but also just as a person as well that's so I'd never made that connection about the depiction of friendship and the because the show like you know the form of they kind of hinges on constant meeting up and hanging mm. out and particularly the group dynamic and I hadn't thought of how when so many people watch the show in lockdown in particular, obviously that was off the table other than virtual hangouts. So actually, maybe that's a huge part of why people, like we also had the escapism and the outfits and the money and mm. it's like old seasons before the pandemic, but actually maybe really the hook is seeing people hang out with their mates when you couldn't was was really appealing to people I think so yeah because for me it wasn't it has never been about you know looks or or the escapism of it I mean there's an element of escapism but for me the escapism isn't in the aspirational lifestyle the escapism was as you say watching people do what we couldn't and sort of you know, just getting enjoyment out of that. I really feel that that's something I gleaned a lot from it. Um, And it was a comfort to me as well, you know, just, oh yeah, we're all going on this holiday randomly together and we all have this time free at the same time. And, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's so, it's very comforting to me. Definitely has been comforting to me. It's also mad because we're obviously in a way we know the reason they go on these holidays and have to move on from things it's because they're effectively colleagues on a show but mm. also maybe there is something to that and maybe we should all be a bit more businesslike <laughs> in our <laughs> friendships to just keep it going just keep it going I mean obviously you know these things are nuanced and obviously you know real life you know people do or say things that are hurtful it might might take more time to get over it but I think you know as a person who used to hold a lot of grudges in the past you know I'm a Taurus um, you know, as a person who used to do that, I just feel that as I've gotten older, it makes sense to kind of let that go because, you know, as the old kind of proverb says, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Um, yes. You know, and I think that's something that Candace, you know, has a terrible habit of kind of projecting into the show, which is a shame because, you know, she's just she I never want her to leave. Like, I, I love her as a housewife. Um, she is one of my favorite housewives. I'd never want to hang out with her in a million years, but she's eminently watchable. Um, but she is such a great example of that, of that kind of not letting go of the grudges. And and it's not even that, you know, letting go of something doesn't mean you have to forgive the person, but it just means that you have to kind of just, I suppose, move on and just try and find a, a way to forge forward. 
um, in a way that doesn't kind of continue to toxify your life, you know? So you mentioned Candice there. Who are some of your favourites on Potomac? Oh my God, I just, oh, I I really do. I really do love them all. I I suppose... um, I, I have re- have a real soft spot. I know she's not there anymore, but I have such a soft spot for Katie Rost. Um, I just, I'll never, oh <laughs> I'll never forget. Oh, Katie. <laughs> Katie, I know. I know she's so messy, but it's specifically season four, Katie Rost, like the way she wafted back into those women's lives, just yeah. completely just this mad hippie kind of vibe. I just, I ate it up like chocolate. She was so much fun. She was so casually, um, just bitchy like I just never forget what did she say you know I'm sorry I I'm sorry I said you were dumb maybe I just meant you were stupid like just (laughs) it's just (laughs) such a perfect put down because there's not even any malice in it it's just like no maybe I just meant to say this but like you know just in a sort of around sort of matter of fact kind of way I just love that about her so I do have a soft spot for Katie I was sad when she left I was hoping she might hang around a bit longer um, I do love Karen because, you know, I mean, you can't not love Karen. Karen has this wonderful combination between she's incredibly camp and she's yes. very, very lacking in self-awareness. But there is just the tiniest part of her that is sort of a little bit attuned to what's going on. And can that part anchors her down so she's not too kind of away with the fairies. And that balance is so finely tuned and she does it so well. And she's a housewife who I feel has improved as seasons have gone on because I wasn't kind of mad on her in season one. I thought, oh, are they really going to stretch the kind of the etiquette thing so much, you know, as as a storyline? But what I find really interesting about her is she's she's somebody that I do kind of root for as well. Like she's an older woman. And I think that's something that is so important for the Housewives franchise is the fact that they showcase older women. I know people have talked about this before, but I can't Mm -hmm. impress upon people how important it is to see that, you know, people at that stage of their lives who might be considering other things, who might be trying to do new things, who might be sort of reevaluating their lives in some way. Um, you know, and I just feel, feel that she's a, she's a woman who is doing that. Now it's extremely camp, you know, it's, it's through the medium of three wick candles, but nonetheless, <laughs> you know, it's very, a valid medium all the same. <laughs> a valid medium all the same. Yeah. And she's just, and she is just so funny because I think that, you know, there was a lot of controversy, obviously with the fact that she wouldn't take sides during the Monique and Candace you know, situation. But I do, I understand where she was coming from there because I don't think she was fence sitting. I think she was coming at that from the position of an older woman who could see these two younger women who were just probably not really kind of looking after themselves and not really kind of like thinking about their behavior. And she was trying to guide them and support them while also saying, you know, this is not cool. Um, and you need to sort this out. But I, I think she she's not a person who wants to drop people. She's a person who does want to help and who does want to be a kind of mother figure. Um, you know, and I think she she does that really well. And to be honest, I'd quite like to have Karen, you know, helping me <laughs> shepherd my own life, to be honest, you know. So she's just wonderful to watch. <laughs> and before I move on from Potomac, I mean, you are a musician, a mm. composer. Music is your life, effectively. And, you know, you mentioned Candace being someone that you're drawn to on the show. Like, what do you make of her... I guess her music career and the music itself. Okay, well, first things first. Drive back is a bop. Um, okay. Drive back is okay. a bop. I I do. I I didn't want to love it, Connor, but I I listened to it and I, <laughs> it, it it found its way onto my playlist and I just kept listening <laughs> and I really really love it. Um, I'm not sure. It's interesting. I think it's kind of like you know. I'm an independent musician. Um, you know, I don't have um, a manager or a label or anything like that. I do everything myself. Um, and I've gotten pretty far doing that, but it's also very difficult as well. And I think there is something quite nice about watching Candace kind of move through that independent music sort of thing. You know, the fact that she was supposed to sign that original deal and then didn't. Um, and she just yeah. kind of went and just did it anyway. Um, and, and she did her music videos and she did her, you know, she recorded and she just did everything and financed it herself, which is what most independent musicians do. Like for anybody who's not really aware, we're broke a lot of the time. You know, we take a lot of what we do get in, in, you know, our, in money and put it straight back into the music. And I think mm-hmm. I really kind of enjoyed watching that. Um, I do love drive back. I think in general though, I'm not sure like going forward, I just feel like it would be great if she could kind of link up with maybe some 
maybe some different writers that can kind of help to sort of like just make more jams, make more kind of like stuff that is a little bit more immediate. Um, but that's just me because I tend to be a pop person. And I think that even though she has an R&B kind of style, I think it would suit very well to pop, to more pop oriented stuff. Like the reason I like Drive Back so much is because it's basically a pop song. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas the rest of the album is a bit more R&B oriented and it does sound great and she does sound great, but it wouldn't be my vibe as well. I'd like to put it with different writers just from an A&R perspective, you know? And then of course, you know, there is, you know, I do have a soft spot for Coffee and Love. You know, it's not, (laughs) it's so bad, it's so bad, but I just, but I couldn't get it out of my head. I couldn't get it out of my head. It is just, yeah. (laughs) It really kills me when they, they're like, oh, who do we think's music is better, Candice or Ashley? And then they play them back to back and I'm just like, you know, this is actually so, because Ashley is good at defense you know, say, like, defending herself. Mm. But I'm like, you've just really sold her up the river with that. Like, guys, that's not fair comparison. It's very unfortunate. Just the, 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 the auto-tune is so apparent. I mean, there's a way you can work auto-tune to make it a feature of production. You know, T-Pain did it for yeah, years. And it's fun. And it's fun. Yeah. yeah, Cher did it and made it a biggest hit song of all time. But this was just... <laughs> yeah it was great but but i just i still love it i'm sorry i'm basic i just love it <laughs> <laughs> so if they see it if there's a spike in streams of coffee and love by ashley darby and arnon we'll know we'll be able to locate the listener exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's Potomac, mm. the show that kind of has, I guess, been your fave. But mm. you mentioned your gateway drug there, which, of course, is Beverly Hills. I mean, are you fully up to date on that? Did you do the full binge? Like, where did you where are you landing on Beverly Hills? So I did it. Um, I cheated slightly. So I, I binged all the way up to the end of season five. Mm-hmm. And then at, around that time, I was finished binging. Uh, season 11 was starting and I wanted to be able to watch it in real time. So I started yes. watching it in real time and I kind of forgot about six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. And I think it's interesting because I think you had a guest a few weeks ago whose name escapes me, but they were saying that, uh, you know, you guys don't know, you know, the wilderness years we had to go through in the latter <laughs> season of Beverly Hills. And I'm afraid I am one of those people I skipped over because I wasn't <laughs> sensing that it would be worth my time. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of skipped from, because season five was so explosive and it was so incredible. Um, just, yeah. Whew. And then I was just like, you know what? I can't, I can't have a come down to that. I have to go straight to the good stuff here. I have to go to the Erica Jane stuff. I have to get stuck in and see what's happening. And that's where I kind of left it really. Mm-hmm. So I did the full, I did sort of a half binge, shall we say, but I am up to date. I, I know, I know the general gist. That's so interesting. Are you planning on going back to season six to 10? I'd like, I mean, in a way I don't blame you for jumping forward. <laughs> I would like to. Yeah, I think when at the moment I'm I'm doing so much work at the moment that I that I probably don't have the mental space to kind of like put it in my, you know, at the time, but I I really would like to go back just to see particularly because I'd like to see what happened to Lisa Vanderpump. I I'm aware of her downfall and I'm aware of the general gist of how it happened, but I'm very curious to see how you know that took place because I feel, you know, Lisa Vanderpump is is such a misunderstood housewife in many ways. Um, So I am curious to see that. Yeah, just in the sense of like, I feel like a lot of her reactions to things and her responses to things are not from a place of malice or bitchiness or manipulation, but are simply from a place of being quite a no-nonsense British woman. Um, Hmm. And I really, because my mum's English, and I just feel that... I, I get I get her vibe. I understand it. I think that a lot of times when housewives have been, you know, offended by her or felt like she was targeting them or that kind of thing, I I feel really in my heart it's not about that. It's more just to do with how she reacts. She's not an overly emotional housewife. She's a very kind of like straight to the point kind of housewife. And she I don't believe she's in, intentionally you know, full of malice or anything like that. I think she's just quite matter of fact. And because the rest of the housewives being all American, they're just, they tend to be quite emotional. Let's, let's not dance around that. They're very emotional and they do get Mm -hmm. very upset. And the whole premise of all these shows is to get very upset about small things. And I think Vanderpump really just didn't quite get into that idea of getting upset about small things. And so, yeah, I feel she is quite misunderstood in that way. So I'd be curious to see the how the downfall kind of really played out, because I still feel, maybe I'll be proved wrong, but I still feel that that's something that's not really acknowledged about Lisa. 
I just, I kind of love that as a thesis. Hmm. She's not mean. She's just British. Yeah, honestly, like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they just kind of deal. I think it's like British and Irish people in general. We just, we're quite matter of fact and we kind of just, you know, we just, we're not really into kind of very, getting very deep into the weeds of stuff, you know, like Americans are. And I'm not saying one approach is better than the other, but they're just different. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. I feel like every time you watch these of but you look, you turn to your mummy and you go, there you are. <laughs> there you, there you are now. Honestly, like, she's, she's another one kind of much like Karen that I, you know, I love a lot of people kind of refer to her as like mommy dearest. And, you know, she like builds yeah. builds her little protégés up to bring them down. But I really don't think that that's the case, actually. I, she is a person that I would quite like to have in my life as well. I think she's a very distinguished older lady that I think is smart and fun and interesting. And yeah, I'd be happy to hang out with her. <laughs> I'm sen- I'm sensing a pattern already. Um, <laughs> I know, yes. <laughs> I think it's because I I there is a no there is a pattern there I think to an extent because you know I I want to see older women doing well in life. Um because you know I'm I'm not getting younger. I'm getting older and we all are getting older and I think there's very little representation of older women in the media who are doing kind of well. And it's not even that they have to be doing well, but they just have to exist and be considered valid, you know? And so, mm. yeah, there is, that is something that I attach myself to. Like I'm in the early seasons of New York at the moment and I know she is terrible and I know she's going to be more terrible, but I kind of quite fond of Ramona. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I know you're in the early seasons. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll come back. We'll loop we'll back in about six that. months. Yeah. Yeah, we'll loop back around. I know, it's terrible. <laughs> um, we'll get to New York, mm. but I am just curious before we move on from Beverly Hills. Mm. Um, so you missed, you you were binging old seasons mm. and stopped just before Erica was introduced. Mm. And then you jumped to the season where Erica didn't just have a fall from grace, but became the focal point in a way. Mm. That she, I'm just curious what your Erica Jane experience has been like as a viewer. It's been quite the roller coaster, um, you know, because again, my my only context for Erica Jane has been your social media, so so I was only familiar with you know it's expensive to be me and pop star, <laughs> and you know all of this kind of stuff. First of all, I wasn't actually aware of how old she was. I assumed she was a lot younger. So mm. when I came into it and realized that she was nearly fifty, I think. That, yeah, she's just turned 50 or she's soon to be 50. Yeah. yeah. So when I when I came into that, I was like, oh, that's very interesting because, you know, there can maybe be some, you know, periods of ignorance in your life that can be attributed to being young and a bit feckless. Um, but yeah. with her, I was actually quite shocked at that. So the idea of her being 50 and sort of being wrapped up in this became a very interesting thing for me to observe, particularly you know, when it came to, like I said, what she knew and what she didn't know, um, mm. you know, and it was very like, you know, I just kept, you know, I just kept coming back to that famous quote from like the, you know, the Watergate scandal with Nixon in the seventies, like, you know, wh- what did the president know and when did he know it? Like that is really the the whole idea of the Erica Jane is what did she know and when did she know it? Um, mm-hmm. But also like, you know, how much was she maybe just ignoring Um, And it was very, I found it quite shocking at the end of the season 11 reunion when it was, when it came out that she, uh, you know, had no access to her money, um, you know, that she was giving paychecks away and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought that can't possibly be, that can't possibly be something that is happening. It just, it felt, um, it felt like she was washing her hands of all kind of responsibility there. And I, and I should add on to that. She didn't commit these crimes. Like, well, I feel she did not commit these crimes. She may have been aware of them and she may have um, she may have just pretended to ignore them, which was bad. But I still don't think she committed those kinds of crimes. I just feel that she mm-hmm. just wouldn't have that kind of scope to do that, to be quite honest. Um, but I think that there may have been things that she just blocked out. And for a woman who is 50, I just find that very striking. I just think, surely you cannot get to that age and not be aware of things as basic as your own finances. Um, it's 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 shocking to me. But then, of course, you know, you had Sutton talking about her own divorce and, and the finances to do with that. So maybe it is a thing that is more commonplace than we realize. I do wonder, I mean, I think it's almost a little bit of an arrested development in that, mm. you know, Erica was at pains to point out how young she was yeah. when she met Tom, relatively speaking, and that she would have met him in her late 20s. And she'd spent, I mean, the, the kind of story is... 
not well like her life story is effectively that she was a young single mom trying to make it on her own who had like a a job in a restaurant and so she probably had had to fend for herself up until 26 or 27 or whenever whenever it was she met tom and i think part of the allure Mm. and the power dynamic whether you believe some of her sob stories or not you know which is fair enough everyone has a different view on this particular storyline in the show it that had to be alluring and kind of nice on some levels ago he'll take care of it and then obviously you get the lavish lifestyle on top of it and then you get the chance to go baby i want to be a pop star can you pay for my glam like you know you you were talking about being an independent musician can you imagine if you were in a position where you could turn to your other half and go i'm gonna need like 100 grand for uh, britney's writers for an afternoon like it's just it's mad you know when you put it like that actually connor (laughs) i'll be honest yeah when you put it like that i mean not having to worry about it is surely uh it, 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 oh, i'm sure that is absolutely alluring i suppose then yeah it's interesting i think i think money money and housewives and partners are such a i, I think are such an interesting sort of um theme across a lot of the shows um yeah. you know like uh, you know how much do you know about your finances how much do you know about what your what your your partner is doing with those finances and um, how does it affect your relationship and all that kind of stuff I, I find that sort of stuff fascinating you know like the Robin and Juan thing in Potomac and then you know Sutton and her own husband and and obviously this story as well there is probably yes a very strong attraction to just not having to worry about it but I think maybe this is just for my own personality as well but I am constantly worrying about money and particularly constantly worrying about you know whether I have a roof over my head as well you know you live in Ireland it's something that passes over your mind occasionally and I think it's Mm -hmm. something that you know it's made me kind of very determined to one day have all of that independently myself so that it can't just suddenly be taken away and in that regard I can kind of very much relate to you know season one and two Ramona singers (laughs) you know this idea that you sort of keep your 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 own stuff to yourself so that your partner is just your partner rather than the person that's carrying you through life you know that's a great point and you know what let's do it let's get into New York (laughs) I know when I was setting this interview up you mentioned to me that you've kind of watched early seasons so you're not like really far along because obviously there's a lot of seasons in New York but I'm curious what seasons you have watched and I guess what's (laughs) including Ramona what's coming up for you so far so I should say I'm I'm I haven't watched all the seasons but I'm extremely aware of the of the timeline of the housewives in question um I know the trajectory for example of Luann of Ramona um you know I'm familiar with the housewives I haven't met yet like Sonia for example and things like that so I'm familiar with these faces largely because um you know, in my early days of getting into Housewives, I actually started listening to podcasts like Housewives and Me. And, you know, I was listening to this podcast and I was also listening to a podcast called Housewives Archives, which is hysterical. I can't recommend it enough. Oh, yes. So yeah. funny. And I just, you know, through them, I learned about the, the franchises I wasn't watching at like New York. So I'm familiar with that. But I'm, yeah, I'm in the weeds of the early seasons, that sort of like, so up to like four, basically. So I'm very early. I'm very early. And I am aware that season five, uh, you know, comes in with like a huge, refresh I know that loads of housewives are booted out and loads more come in and so I'm familiar with all that that's coming I'm very excited you know I don't mind the spoilers because I'm very excited about what's to come but I'm very Mm -hmm. fascinated by these early seasons um, for a number of reasons one being that it is so and I'm going to be very shady here but uh, it really does blow my mind that what is considered the upper echelons of New York high society is a person who runs a company that buys dead stock and sells it to discount stores like that, <laughs> like that, <laughs> you know, or a person. Something <laughs> about the way you phrase that. I just, and this, this is not me saying. This is not me saying that this is like a low rent kind of job. This is not me saying that this there, that there is no you know dignity and honest toil. That is not me saying that at all. But it, I suppose you come into it kind of thinking that in order. I suppose when you think of New York high society, quote unquote, you think of kind of more old money. You think of, I don't know, yeah, that kind of vibe. And this is very much new money. This is very much, um, you know, like, you know, Jill Zarin and her and her furniture fabric company. Like it's not it's it's great. And she obviously makes a lot of money, but it's not it, it's it was surprising to me. <laughs> That this was considered to be, you know, this is this is New York high society. This is how you get to be, you know, like a one of these uh, socialites. Um, so that's been a real wild ride to watch take place. Um, and I think also um, I, I, I'm very fascinated by again the 
the sort of the, the 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 connections that they have with each other on a social level as well like you know the idea that that for example countess countess luan i should just say luan the fact that luan you know is perfectly fine with um you know perfectly fine with uh, bethany calling her by her first name and then has an issue when the cab driver addresses her or she introduces her as that i'm just like oh mm. wow okay we are in major delusional territory here this is just fascinating to watch it's absolutely fascinating because these women as much as i enjoy watching them they are not cool like they are not women that i look at and think these are cool women these are quite square women and i just find yeah. it fascinating that you know you can be quite square and be incredibly successful in life like that really fa- that does fascinate me it's quite aspirational in a way <laughs> It's funny because you mentioned the new money thing mm. and I think that's a huge part of those early seasons in New yes. York but also like that era of fame and reality TV before everybody had a glam squad and everybody had an Instagram account like mm. where you would get these kind of I guess lacking in self-awareness rich people who had no taste and when you watch it now in particular like oh wow these people have no sauce at all whereas I mean down the line when Leah McSweeney joins a group mm. Part of the reason she stands out is because, I mean, I think some of the coolness is just because she stands in contrast to other women, but you have this kind of downtown New York girl vibe Mm. and you realize, oh, they've never had a cool person in this group. They're just like, who is this person? Like, you're right. Like they are. And they kind of, some of them, I think, loosen up as they go on because their lives change so drastically. But like Mm. those early seasons, they're very invested in the image amongst their peer group, but maybe not the image, uh, you know, in the pop culture sphere at large. That's so true. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much how they appear to others. Um, And yeah, and you're just watching it kind of uh, just completely disconnected from it, just thinking, really? Um, Okay. Yeah, so it is really, really fascinating to watch. I am, of course, obsessed with, um, oh God, her name escapes me now, but um, the one who lives in Brooklyn, my brain's gone. Oh, Alex. Alex McCord. Alex Alex McCord and her husband. Woo-hoo, boy. (laughs) That is just absolutely hysterical to watch. Like, it is so... It's a kind of it. It reminds me a little bit of. Um, it reminds me a little bit of. Um, oh my god, my brain's gone completely bad today. Um, first three seasons of of Beverly Hills, married to the awful man who died. Ta- uh, 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 not Ta- Taylor Armstrong. Taylor Armstrong. Name. Yeah. So to blur her husband's name. There you go. Yeah, it's it's very. It's reminding me a lot of Taylor Armstrong, but in a more kind of funny way. Like Taylor Armstrong's very tragic kind of story, but but the Alex McCord thing is just this very very funny comedy of manners it's so interesting like I feel like Oscar Wilde would go wild for this like it's just it's so interesting to watch it kind of watching them interact you know with the other housewives watching them kind of like you know conduct their lives you know and and sort of they're like unreliable narrators except the problem is usually with an unreliable narrator you don't see what's actually happening but with them you see what's actually happening and so they're narrating in this sort of very like you know um image conscious way in this way you know that they're very proud of themselves and then you see what's actually happening you're like no (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. so it's really fascinating to watch them i'm very excited to kind of see like i know storylines that are coming up like what you know i know you're like a massive new york kind of like you know expert like what what upcoming seasons do you think i'm going to be very glued to so it's funny because the fact that you're on four is so interesting to me because that at the time was seen as this flop season. Like now it's like, now it's like particularly the last year we just had of, of New York in 2021, like four is, is actually great. But the, the cast refresh in five is very interesting because they took, which is I think the model they're going to use for when they come back for a new season mm. this year, next year, is really interesting. And then when, when Bethany comes back in season seven, like it is it does completely shift the dynamics, but then there's literally like a three, four, if not five season run where the show is just insanely good every episode nonstop. And it, that's people are like, what's it? I'm like, just watch season seven to 10. Don't even believe <laughs> so I think you're doing the groundwork now. You'll get this. I love the Morocco trip in season four. I think it's really underrated. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think you're on a, I think you're on a very exciting path because to me, the most recent season was a bit of a dud, but really, even before that, there's really not been a, a bad season of New York. It's interesting about season. I, I haven't obviously haven't seen the most recent season, but I am. But I am aware that a lot of people have thought it was bad, and I've heard a lot of people discussing on this podcast and other things as well about, about why it might have been bad. And it's interesting because I know you said a lot of people have said, "Oh, there needs a cast refresh." Um, and all that kind of stuff and you may be having more cool downtown people but I don't know I have a 
maybe again, maybe I'll change my mind once I get, you know, into the rest of the, the really good seasons. But for me, I feel like part of what makes the show work is the fact that these people are not cool and they think they're cool. Um, mm. And I feel like maybe that's kind of, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too cool in my opinion. I feel if, if there is to be a cast refresh and maybe that's something that does need to happen. Maybe you just need to get more people who are completely lacking in self-awareness, but who are not, who are new to the camera. So that would be kind of something I feel because I do, I, I, I don't watch housewives for self-awareness. Um, you know, yeah. and that's, I mean, having said that, there is always at least one housewife who is self-aware and who is more grounded. And as, as you've said before, and I fully agree, you definitely need that grounding force full on, you know, to, to, to keep the show kind of going and not going too mad. Um, but yeah, I just feel like, yeah, more, more non-self-aware middle-aged women please this is this is where immediately where I wanted to go and I know I I probably don't have the I don't have the right to be so opinionated I'm only on season four but I just feel I, I'm thinking about it and I just feel that's where maybe it needs to go <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pass your comments on <laughs> <laughs> I'll chat to Andy <laughs> um I know you mentioned to me before this that you've watched a little bit of New Jersey so where are you with uh, Housewives in New Jersey so New Jersey I I got into seasons one and two, which were truly, truly amazing television. I mean, really, like I know everyone says that, but it really, it's only when you watch it that you realize how brilliant it is. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, this is another franchise where people are completely lacking in any kind of self-awareness whatsoever. And that is part of the joy. Um, And I just, I just feel like, I mean, season one has a, better written storyline than most fictionalized dramas like the the beats of it all the plot twists of it all the the finale everything about it is so unbelievably chef's kiss and i just yeah. i'm so fascinated by by how good that is and i do think again it comes from the lack of self-awareness because i know you guys have talked about this a little bit as well you know about people like say jen shaw and salt lake city i haven't watched a huge amount of salt lake city i kind of found it a little bit off-putting but maybe i might return to it you know with with everything going on now it seems to be a bit more dramatic but you know someone like jen shaw obviously is very aware of the camera and very aware of you know what goes into making a housewife quote unquote but Mm -hmm. i feel like in my limited experience of housewives the best housewives are they have to lack the self-awareness to a degree because if they are too aware of what's going on, it really doesn't make it watchable. It makes it quite actually painful to watch. Now there is a, there is a kind of like a limit as well. You know, it can get to a point where they might be so kind of like away in the clouds that it's just unwatchable. But I do feel that that is an important aspect of it. But yeah, New Jersey is just absolutely fascinating. I'll never forget that line that, Teresa says, because I think that New Jersey came out in 2008 initially, you know, which was the year of the crash. And I'll never forget her going on a big shopping spree with her daughter and like, you know, putting out bundles of cash and then saying (laughs) over the voiceover saying, I hear the economy's crashing. So I always pay in in, in cash. And I just was like, oh my God. I was just like, oh boy. Only you knew. Only you knew. This is what we're doing here. This is absolutely fabulous. Um, I am here. I am ready to go in. So um, my obsession with Potomac took me away from New Jersey after season two, but it is a franchise that I would really like to get back into um, because I just feel like it has so much camp drama in it as well. Um, I love the theme tune. The theme tune is incredibly camp as well. Like it is just, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no theme songs, you know, that's something that I feel so strongly about housewives theme music. Like it's really so amazing when, when the theme music really perfectly fits a franchise. Like, you Mm. know, I love like that theme music is so perfect for that as well. The Potomac theme music is so like pizzazz and like, like it's just i mean <laughs> i theme music really just lifts it up as well and the and the incidental music as well i just think that's something that cannot be underestimated when it comes to like the joy of housewives as well so yeah so i do want to go back to new jersey for the campness of it all um that is definitely next on my list you make such a good point about the music too mm. not just the theme songs but like those shows are so heavily scored like it's rare to get any in fact when they drop the music out of a housewife scene it's often a a signifier of how serious it is and when they do that you go oh shit's getting real they're letting it take run without any music they want us to really listen to this yes like they're everything is just 
And I talked about this with Katie Weaver when she was on because she did a whole piece on this for the New York Times mm. with like this idea that there's people whose job it is to like punctuate almost every second of a 42 minute episode with some kind of music and at just the right level, just the right tone because it's so crucial to how we understand what's going on in front of us. Oh, completely. And I think you can really do someone dirty in the editing just with music alone. You know, the way that you punctuate a scene with a certain type of music, you know, with a, it's kind of like in Drag Race when you get the kind of, that kind of sound. Yeah, yeah. You know, (laughs) the most innocent comments. Yeah. You know, you've done something wrong. You know, you've embarrassed yourself. And this is kind of the thing you can, you can really just completely turn the narrative around just with that tiny piece of music and how it kind of like punctuates the scene. And I'm really, really fascinated by that as well, because it really, it really tells you exactly how the editors feel about your character and your story. Storyline. <laughs> yeah, it does. I love it. It's not. I'm sure as a musician, you've picked up on that. Mm. Um, I I wanted to briefly touch on this. I don't know how far along you are, but you mentioned to me that you watch Melbourne. Oh. And I have to ask you what you think of that city, Melbourne. Oh my god, just. I got Melbourne as a recommendation from yourself because you had mm-hmm. you had gone on about it so much and I was just like, okay, have to. <laughs> yes, have to. I'm noticing this. People are like, constantly telling me to watch it. I'm like, you're welcome. You're it welcome. was absolutely, yeah, honestly, it was. Fa- I, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it because the first, I remember watching the first episode and thinking the links between these housewives feels quite awkward and I, yeah. I didn't think that I would kind of carry on with it. But then I knew as soon as Jackie made that prediction about Gina's partner that I was like, okay, I can't, I can't walk away from this. Yeah, <laughs> I can't yeah, walk yeah, away yeah. from this. Um, like it is so, it is so, um, it is just so funny. It's just, it's, I think what, what, it, what Melbourne does so well is it really does get the traditional housewives getting pissed off about a tiny thing and and pulling it out over a season which can be tiresome at times but it depends on the episode run I feel I think if you're on Beverly Hills where you have a 20 episode run that is a bit tiring but on Melbourne it was just right it was absolutely just right and it was so perfect and I just couldn't get enough of watching Jackie and her husband putting together that margarita was it the margarita or like a yeah the the alcohol brand that was like a pre-made uh, that was it or something. Yeah, yeah getting getting their bethany on there la mascara la mascara that was it oh my god oh we need to babe, we need to get la mascara ready, ready. Come on. like just the, yeah. the, and i just loved the fact that jackie was so into her angels and like the angels are on my side and it's kind of yeah. like you know it's like just i don't need a business plan i've got angels on my side you know it's like it's yeah. like doc, poor dr wendy with her bloody candles and her home essentials line <laughs> it's just this complete inability to kind of see you know what the you know potential trouble spots could be along along the way i just i loved that about it but she wasn't my favorite housewife though i mean janet is pure just i never want janet to leave the show janet has to stay mm. forever and ever and ever she is just hysterical she's so bitchy but she's so funny she's the person she is the one that I would like to go on an out out with because Jackie is the housewife on Melbourne that thinks she's cool and sexy and like devil may care but Janet is the one who is actually that person yes so that is you know absolutely full-on Janet Stan of course I mean Gina shout out to Gina Gina is just absolutely I'm obsessed with the fact that she had the same hair and the same makeup regardless of what happened she would come to that reunion fully fully made up fully hair done and I was just like wow you really are committed to that look and I respect that Gina I know when you think about it you've never not seen Gina in high drag never ever yeah she is so committed not even slightly dressed down she's never even in like you know a, a, a designer tracksuit with with a high pony you know like where it still like looks and kind of high end but it's like meant to be relaxing no she's in drag she, all the full time. drag full uniform and what i find i i actually think that that is i mean that that's obviously like something to protect herself because i think she probably there's probably a part of her that feels that she can't be anything other than that but i still feel that she is just I'm, I still really admire how committed she is to it regardless because she is a person, you know, the way you kind of, if you, you feel like you kind of like have to roll with certain style changes and sort of like fashion trends, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's also just good to just know this is my style and this is what I'm sticking to as well. And again, she is also part of my women in their forties and fifties that I really admire that I would like to mentor me as well. 
<laughs> it's quite a it's it's like um dragon's den like they're all just lined up yes oh take take a seat Sally. so you're a musician yeah. oh lisa and i love music what kind of music do you make <laughs> I love it. it's so good like i just i could listen to those accents all day like the only thing the only thing better than those accents is you doing those accents like <laughs> it's you. so good like i mean i just i could you know you when you i could i could always hear you quote that you know i deal in effect you know i'm i'm a i'm a best i deal in effect you know i deal in all this kind of you know that's not a demon that's, not a demon. that's my grandmother <laughs> when the when um there's a like there's been loads of i mean i actually had dan from gas bagging on the podcast mm. ages ago but he does memes yeah. a lot of memes using the australian housewife shows but there's one clip of, that's kind of gone viral recently. I think it's from season two, maybe, mm-hmm. where Janet, I can't do Janet's voice, but she's like, where is the money that she said she had and where is it going? And the meme was something like when someone buys a house before they're like 32. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, actually, that is so, that is me down. I'm like, where did they, did she get the money from my mum and dad? I was like, oh. <laughs> oh my God, no, I can full on relate to that. Yes, I just want, I want to know that immediately. That, actually, that was an excellent Janet impression. I think you got, yeah, you got the height. You got the high pitch of her voice because she's quite elevated like that. Um, And she does, she does have as well, but it's quite, it's quite kind of like harsh as well. Like you just. Yes. There's a chorus in Sajana where she's like, oh, she's a fucking bitch. (laughs) Like she just really is such. And particularly, I know you have maybe haven't seen (laughs) the most recent season where they came back after break and what it was fine. It wasn't as high drama as previous seasons, Mm. but every time Janet was on screen, she was just like ready to scrap. I was like, this woman. Yeah, she the only person who steals the show as much as her is Lydia. I'm so sad Lydia's gone. Yeah. Oh, oh the world's stupidest oh, woman. Oh, the world's it. stupidest woman, it. but still the most entertaining. <laughs> oh, just incredible. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Something you mentioned to me that I thought was really interesting, aside from the shows you watch, was just you said that you found the way friendships and marriage was portrayed on Housewives really interesting. I was wondering oh, what you meant by I that. I have so many, yeah, it really is something that has made me kind of think a lot about, this sounds really serious, but it's made me think a lot about kind of partners and how we kind of, mm-hmm. you know, have them in our lives and how they kind of are factored into our lives. So, I, you know, kind of my two kind of things that I that I think about a lot are, for example, Vanderpump and Ken, I find that theirs is the most satisfying relationship to watch. And it's down to a very simple thing, which is that Ken comes with her to almost everything. Mm. And and it sound, it doesn't that doesn't sound like it's all that important, but I think that is very important. You know, he comes with her, he is her support, he is her ally. And I just find that very interesting. And I think it is the large reason why they have stayed together so long. And if you look at Housewives where husbands or partners have been away for long periods of time or they have to be away for long periods of time those are the those are the relationships that have fallen apart because ultimately I mean hey look everybody has different ways of approaching the relationships everyone has their different needs and everybody has to know what their need is so it can be met but I'm generally quite fascinated about that kind of distance like the fact that I know Harry Hamlin is a busy guy but the fact that he doesn't really come with Lisa Rinna anywhere very much I feel is a kind of a red flag for me I, I find that very kind of like sad in a way um and I just think it's something that would be very important to me and my partner to have them you know be there like literally physically be there um and I think that you know you can see that a lot you know in the early seasons when Taylor feels quite abandoned by her by her own husband who obviously turned out to be a terrible person for completely different reasons but it's a sad mm-hmm. thing to watch just outside of the the domestic abuse situation the idea that she is just looking for this connection that she can't get um and i you know i find that very interesting you know just to observe um and i also have oh my god like i i could talk for days about robin and juan on potomac and how that relationship mm-hmm. gives me the ick like it really i i know like I you know it's obviously very you know people thought it was very romantic when they finally got back together and they got engaged and stuff like that but I just have this feeling that he is a person who still has not acknowledged his role in what happened between them the first time around and it very it's very interesting to me that whenever she brings it up he reacts so badly to it and I just think that 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 is something they're, they're not going to last. That is, that is my prediction right now. They're not going to last because I just feel like, you know, even something like, you know, when they when Robin is asked, you know, at the Karen's wedding uh, ceremony, you know, 
why doesn't Bond come with you anywhere? And he's like, oh, you know, he's a basketball coach and he has to be there doing all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's that's fine. But considering how much he's pressuring her to have a baby, a new baby, you know, when she's like, what, 42? Um, and yeah. trying to run her own business, I just feel that's a complete disconnect on his part. And I'm really fascinated by that. And I just feel like so many people romanticize the Robin and Juan thing, but I just felt from day one, it was toxic. And I feel like it continues to be toxic. Well, there's two things on them. The first, it's shallow, but mm. Juan is really good looking. So oh, a he's a very like, good looking man. Included are yes. like, uh, he's so hot. But the <laughs> other thing, I think a lot about, I mean, we just had season six. I think it was the end of season five. Am I getting my, mm. yeah, sorry. I'm getting my, I'm beginning my timelines. Mixed up. So when he did, propo- just before he did propose to her at the end of season five, mm. and that scene, I think about all the time, that scene where they were in therapy together mm. and they got into detail of, what happened with Juan's parents and how Robin's family took him on board. And I think that commitment they made to each other when they were very, we hear about childhood sweethearts all the time, but there's something about the commitment they made to each other and how Robin's family picked him up during a really traumatic thing, like losing your parents that has like meant that they always come back to each other, which in a way is lovely. Mm. But as you say, it also seems to then create a thing where I think one is acting out because he's dealing with some of the trauma from that, but also he seems unable to acknowledge, as you say, how he's fucked her over, but that because of that complexity, it's not as clear cut as, oh, he's a dog, he cheats on you, you need to mm. go. Like, I think she feels a sense of duty to him, never mind the fact that they have kids. Yes. Because of that moment. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that like, there's such a, it's such a gray area in terms of how, what the right or wrong response is. And it's also like, this is why we watch these shows oh, because yes. actually that's the nub of it. Like, it's not just my man's trash and I have to leave him. Mm. It's like, well, actually years ago, this happened and we got through that. So what do we do now? I mean, I think it's just mind It's mind blowing. I completely agree with you. Like that is why it's so fascinating to watch as a viewer, for sure. Like it is very complicated. It's not a black and white thing, no matter what Giselle might say about it, you know, like, oh, you can't be disappointing your fine man by sleeping into much like you know (laughs) it's not about that Giselle it's about two individuals feeling like they are ready to commit to each other but still be individuals and still have their needs met and that includes Robin yeah you know and I just feel it's such it's so interesting to watch I think no matter you know no matter what the not no matter what the romantic relationship is I think that there's a lot to learn this this sounds like really like you know strange me to say but I think there's a lot to learn from that like you know something like say Love Island I think it's a show that I never watch and I find really repellent but one thing I have found very interesting about a show like Love Island and I think any sort of reality shows that follow a kind of any romance storyline is that it's very interesting to viewers who maybe have not considered things like this who maybe do think of these things in black and white and maybe they can watch these things and think actually maybe this is actually not okay what this person is doing and maybe this is something that I would be like to be more aware of in my own life um mm-hmm. now I'm probably giving a lot of grace to housewives viewers who are maybe just more like no sis leave him whatever but you know I'm <laughs> I feel personally it's something uh, I've benefited from, you know, I've been single for two years now and, you know, just watching it has actually kind of educated me a lot about what I want in a partner. You know, if I found myself yeah. on Housewives one day as a as a rich <laughs> lady who owns a fabric store in New York, you know, what kind of partner would I like to have in my life? And, you know, how would I like them to behave day to day and all that kind of stuff? So I think it's been very quite beneficial and educational in a sense. <laughs> it's also interesting because it's been said before over the years, the kind of what they call the lily pad thing of like, there's women who go on housewives who may and the irony of course of the show's name is that sometimes they are quote unquote just housewives Mm. sometimes actually they're single women and it's meant to be a subversion of that Mm. word and that trope but there are women who go on who seem to have what would account what would be read as a happy marriage and then the show you know actually allows them to see that it's not a good marriage or the show ends up kind of taking their marriage apart, but that ends up being a good thing for them. I mean, the Taylor Armstrong thing is an extreme example because she was truly going through a very difficult time. But, you know, in the book, Not All Diamonds and Rosé with Dave Quinn, which has been this big bestseller Mm. and this big conversation point, she says very clearly, like, if I wasn't doing the show, I think my my then husband could have killed me because having the cameras and someone coming in all the time meant that he had to, like, on some level know that he could only push me so far. Now, I'm obviously talking about a very extreme, upsetting example, and what happened to her is still horrible. Mm -hmm. But the idea that that show may have saved her, even something like less contentious than that, but like still kind of obvious, like 
Camille Grammer and Kelsey Grammer where Kelsey clearly mm. told her to do the show because he wanted to keep Camille busy so he could have an affair but then it allowed Camille to get out of a bad marriage you know like there's examples across the franchise of like they go on and the show ends up being sort of their like lily pad into a different life away from a marriage that maybe wasn't working for and them. that's really inspiring and that's why i connect so much to the kind of slightly older ladies not so much kind of the 30 something housewives but the older ladies who have had that as you say lily pad moment that's really fascinating to watch because it is it is inspiring um you know and that is kind of one of the biggest reasons i watch housewives it's not for aspiration it's not for kind of like anything like that it's purely just to see what is someone's second or third act like in life and what could it look like? It could look like many things. And that's why I think that's why I love the show so much. Yeah, same. And we we are nearly done, but I do. I'm so curious where you would land on this mm. one. I, I mean, I think given how much you think about the shows, you're going to come through on mm. this. What would your house, housewives tagline be and why? Okay, I've gone a little bit cheesy here, but um, I I wanted to go for the kind of more bitchy ones, but I just thought it's not really my vibe. So I, I decided to do something. I decided to take my musical identity and throw it in here. So it's a little bit of a cheesy one, but hopefully it'll work. Just like the best pop songs, you'll never be able to get me out of your head. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a good That's a good play on musicians. Yes. You didn't say something like... I make songs, but you can't play me, but you still had like... <laughs> yeah, I couldn't go down that road. I, 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 I workshopped it a little bit, but that was the one I felt, you know, was the one that felt the easiest to roll off the tongue. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may direct musical projects, but you can't direct me. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to get one that started with the I may uh, at the beginning. I really workshopped a few of those, but I couldn't quite hit it that yeah. way. So, yeah, no, that that is the classic one, of course, you know. <laughs> If you were doing a, re- I feel like if you were having your second or third season, mm-hmm. and you'd had some big life change, you'd be like, "I may compose songs, but my life is the greatest song I'll ever write," or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I just want to beat it to death like Giselle did with her "Word on the Street" one for like four <laughs> yeah. seasons. Word on the street, word on the street. Ca- street. Carl Richards in this town, in that oh, town, oh in every other god. town, in this Kyle town. Kyle in her fucking town. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the other. million question, Mm. of course, is you're having a dinner party tomorrow. You can have five housewives, guests or hangers on, friends of, even the husbands can pop in if you like. What five people are you inviting and why? Okay, so can I be cheeky and have two? And I'll explain one very quickly and one a bit more in detail. Okay. Okay. So my first, so my five is my older lady mentor dinner. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Should have seen this coming. (laughs) So this will contain Gina, Karen. uh, Yeah, Gina, Karen, Vanderpump. Uh, Ramona and I think mm, well yeah Gina Karen Vanderpump Ramona and you know what let's throw let's throw Jill Zarin in just for the crack let's let's throw her in um <laughs> okay. I just feel I could learn a lot from these ladies um about how to kind of you know reach reach my peak in life um but my actual kind of dinner party for this is my raucous no holds barred we're having the best crack of our lives messiest dinner party um so for this I want to have Katie Rost like specifically as I said season four Katie Rost I want specifically season four Katie Rost to come in and just completely mess shit up and just have a ball um I'm I'm gonna get Ashley Darby I know she is messy I know she is the messiest woman in Housewives but there is something really about her that I feel is quite kind of like despite all the mess that she surrounds herself with she is so like fun I think at the same time and she clearly wants to have a good time and I think she'd be the perfect person to have around if she doesn't get into a fight um (laughs) so gonna have her gonna have Janet because Janet from Melbourne uh (laughs) Janet for Janet is just she is I know she's very coarse and she's very kind of like she could be quite scary at times but I just she is a a good party girl and she wants to have a good time Mm -hmm. and I think she could actually kind of um she could actually kind of um Venn diagram a little bit with my older ladies too. Um yeah. but yeah, she's there she's just just honestly just really, really fun. I would have her then uh for my sins, please don't judge me. I would have season two Brandy Glanville. <laughs> I love how specific that is. Because you know the wheels fell off that oh, wagon. The wheels fell off oh. big time. <laughs> yeah. I felt so hard. I felt so hard for her in season two and three. I just, I was so team Brandy. And I know you've said it before on the podcast never 
never get too attached to a housewife because they will disappoint you. And she disappointed so many people. But there is something about her in season two. She's very kind of like just free spirited. And I really liked that about her. And out of all of the housewives, because Beverly Hills, let's face it, it's a very uptight cast. Um, it's yeah. a very uptight cast. They're not. Re- they're very kind of like unwilling to sort of let loose very often. Um, and Brandy was the one who kind of broke that mold and seemed like the person that you could actually have a really good time with. Um, so yeah, okay. So we've got Katie Rost, Janice, Ashley, Brandy, and I think finally, who else are we going to put in there? Mm, oh, let's put Ramona in. <laughs> I was thinking you were going to say Ramona. <laughs> Let's put Ramona in. Sure, she knows she knows how to have a good time. <laughs> Can you imagine Ramona Singer and Janet Rose oh, at the same table? Just like I said, like, messy. I would never say that. I would never swear like that. <laughs> like she would just hate Janet, and Janet would be like, "Oh, shut up, y'all, bitch." <laughs> yeah, like no, Ramona would probably just get up right in the middle of the dinner party and say, "Oh, I have to meet some friends downtown." You know, I forgot I was going to do it, but I have to meet some friends. We're supposed to go to a club together. <laughs> Or like Ramona has a dick appointment that she's uh, cross scheduled with this dinner party, and John's like, "Yeah, you're gonna get fucked up." Like she'd say something really cross like that. You know, they like on Melbourne, they're so vulgar. Oh, I just feel so like vulgar. that would be iconic, and I feel like Janet would have her number yeah. straight away. And I feel like Ashley and Janet would get on really completely. well. completely. I don't know why, but I just I do. do. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I think <laughs> if I can squeeze one more in, I think I'd like to put Monique in. I miss Monique so much. <laughs> I yeah I'm so torn oh. because I actually do I did like her on Me the show too. and then I, I didn't love how all that went no, down on everybody's no. part I mean she's actually I think she's gonna be on some other show like some marriage boot camp style show with her husband and a bunch of other people so like she's still into doing reality tv but but it sounds like from everything that came out she actively chose not to go back to Potomac like they wanted her back yeah and oftentimes they say they walked away when they didn't but it sounds like Monique truly did go yeah I I don't have to do this anymore. So yeah, it would be fun to have her back for dinner. At it least. would be like, I like, it's probably best for her to leave maybe, but you know, just, I wish her well. She was entertaining while she was there. There was just something so kind of light and breezy about her. <laughs> yeah. Un- until, until it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I know. Like, until the light and breezy hair pulling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Just some gals hanging out, breezily pulling each other's hair. I don't know the usual. Oh God. Just absolutely insane. Oh, jaw dropping stuff. Amazing. Um, in terms of the shows, you've watched a lot of them, but there's obviously other ones out there. I mean, what is next on your housewife's journey? So I would like to revisit Salt Lake City. I didn't kind of latch onto it in the way that I hoped because I just found the setting of it kind of just so weird. There is something about the yeah. vibe of it. It's very, un- it's very uncanny valley. It's very just odd in its way. But there's so much I keep hearing about season two that I don't want to be left out anymore. So I really feel like I need to get on that. So that's kind of on my list as well. I want to get through the rest of New York, obviously, and you know have a more nuanced discussion about that with you at some stage. Um, but also, mm-hmm. I am considering having a look at Miami as well, because it's kind of come back. Um, so I never looked, I watched it the first time around, but I'm just curious to see if it might be worth having a go, because I just think Miami... There's going to be a lot of kind of like very entitled white women there. So, you know, that could be entertaining. Actually, (laughs) I would dive into the season that's airing now because A, it's actually way more diverse than other shows. Well, because there's a big like Latina uh, component to the cast. And then there's like, you know, like there's women from all kinds of backgrounds Mm. on this new season. There is also Martina Navratilova's wife, and it's a shame that Martina's a big old turf. We won't get into oh, that because I'm trying to ignore it every yeah. time I watch the show. But also, fun fact at Miami that, I mean, people who watch will know, but I think you will appreciate is the theme song is sung by a woman who was main cast, is now a friend of, but like they have an actual pop song that plays <gasps> over the credits. Oh. So it's just like that alone is so fascinating. But I would dive into this new Miami season because mm-hmm. they explain all the legacy cast members via copious flashbacks you're like i get it like i think you would actually enjoy season i think it's five that's airing flashbacks now. are so helpful four, aren't they four maybe it's four i think it's four <laughs> yeah sorry. yeah no that sounds actually no the way you've described it actually sounds way more interesting than i thought it would be because i thought they would kind of i thought that they would more focus on kind of like just you know there's a lot of like rich white people in parts of florida that, that kind, kind of vibe of, right that yeah sort of idea that it's rich white trash yes, in florida whereas exactly. this show plugs into like 
you know, Miami in the 305 and like that kind of. Okay, idea. that sounds way more, way also, more interesting. The, oh my God, the house porn and the like lavish lifestyle is next level on that show. It's crazy. Yeah, because I just started watching, uh, you know, uh, what's selling Tampa. So I'm into the whole, you know, Florida property yes. market vibe. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I can't get a gaff in Dublin, but I could probably get one in Florida. The way things are going. I know. Say right? money. You'd probably get a mansion. In Huge Florida. mansion. Oh my God. There's no comparison. Oh my God. <laughs> Okay, well, you've lots ahead of you on the House I Slate, but in terms of music and all that kind of thing, where can we find you online or what should we be looking out for? I know it's annoying to be like, what are you working on? But maybe there's something you want to look out for. So my next single is coming out very soon. Um, it hasn't got exact date yet, but it's going to be definitely coming out within the next kind of couple of months. Um, so oh, that cool. is coming soon. I've, I literally just got the, the first mix of it back yesterday and I was dancing around to it. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, so that is coming soon. Um, my music in general is on Spotify. And if you want to spell Odu, for the Irish people, it's O Father, D U Father. Uh, for the non Irish people, the father looks like an accent turning to the right. Uh, so for anybody who wants to look that up, I'm also working on a, a stage show at the moment, which will be premiering uh, uh, this year. Uh, that's as much as I can say about it now but um, I'm the musical director and composer for that so that's been really exciting and it's been a way for me to kind of dive into musical theatre more which is something I'm very interested in and Mm -hmm. yeah I'm just generally kind of pottering about just doing various writing in the background writing for other artists writing for their kind of uh, projects so yeah there's lots there's lots to come so if you want I'm also uh, if you want to follow me on social media I'm Odoo official on everything on uh, Twitter Instagram I am on TikTok but I haven't posted yet I'm more of a lurker but I'll get I'll get I'll get to it eventually (laughs) (laughs) I'm noticing so many people roughly around my age who say that they're like I mean they're like I have an account I just don't post anything and I'm like I just secured the username months ago and if I want to dip into it I know it's there but I I know I would lose even more hours of my life to my phone if I go on TikTok oh I've already fallen down the rabbit hole I'm afraid so yeah it's definitely getting into that (laughs) and I've got Housewives TikTok as well so it's all there (laughs) oh god see when you say Housewives TikTok that could be the the death okay um Odoo slash Sally as I know you in my head (laughs) yes we have covered a lot of ground today I'm very, and I'm very excited for what's next in your Housewives journey. But thank you very much for coming on Housewives and Me. Thank you so much for having me. It's honestly been a thrill. There you have it. That is Odoo here on Housewives and Me. You can follow Odoo on social media and check out her music all over the place on streaming sites like Spotify and Apple Music. I'll put some links to where you can find her stuff online in the show notes for this episode. She's also just launched a Patreon as well, so I'll put the link to that in the show notes should you want to check it out. And I did get a sneaky listen of Odoo's new single, and I think you're going to love it. That's out later on this year as well. If you want to follow the show on social media, at Housewives and Me is where you'll find us. And I'm on social media too. It's Connor Bean on Twitter and Instagram if you want to say hello. All those links, as always, in the show notes for this episode. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, ratings and reviews are really appreciated to get the word out there. And as I've mentioned recently, Spotify now lets you rate podcasts as well. So if that's where you listen, do consider leaving us a rating. It will be much appreciated. As always, new episodes out every Tuesday. So follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a single one. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.